This is CliffCentral.com. The longest George Ezra Budapest uh, version I've ever heard in my life. I hope you're having a fantastic Wednesday. Sanbonan Nonke, welcome to the show. It is a new name, but the same old faces. Rorisang Shabalala. Later. Sanbonan. Sorry, Dumela. Lego. You're getting Lego. Am I on? You are, yeah. I can hear myself. Can you hear yourself now? Yeah, I can hear myself. Oh, now you can hear yourself. Welcome to the show. Thank you to Gareth and the team. It is 9 to 11. The show's name, Frankly Speaking, we are speaking about the things you want to hear about, the conversations that South Africans should be dialoguing about, sometimes uncomfortable, sometimes unpleasant, but always needed here in South Africa. And we are kicking off with something something interesting. Uh, yeah. This, is, this, is, this came out of nowhere for me. You don't even have kids. You don't have what? kids either. I've got pseudo kids. Oh, yeah. Okay, fine, <laughs> fine, fine, fine. <laughs> fine. I don't have kids. But still, it's an interesting question. You see old people misbehaving on social media and you wonder, are these the things they teach their kids? Um, and so it was worthwhile then asking ourselves, um, are, are, are we raising and breeding um, racists? And, and and at what stage do kids, I mean, so let's assume kids aren't born racist. At which stage do they then start adopting these racist behaviors? Because it's just, it's bad behavior. You don't go teaching your kids how to hate people and telling them that people are bad and so on. I don't know. I, I imagine you don't. I, as, as you said, I don't have kids. I don't know. But I imagine that's not what you do. So at which point do you become a racist? Who teaches you? Is it TV? Is it other kids at school? Um, so yeah, we thought this might be a good thing to, 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 to challenge and to say, are we as adults happy? Are we really happy, uh, for, for, for the next generation to pick up on these things that we say to each other on social media? I think it's such an interesting one because, because the social media thing has gone crazy. We saw a beginning of the uh, penny sparrow. We're all bored of that now. We saw, uh, interestingly in, in news of late, the Zuma must fall has caught huge amounts of attention it started with the billboard and then moved on to the the hashtag and how people are feeling that it's racist that it's that it is racist and there's been huge conversations about that and the vitriol that has been spewed over over social media in the last couple of weeks in south africa sometimes scares me and the reason it scares me is because it's not about what they say on social media anonymously it's what are they saying at the kitchen table uh, what are they saying to their kids? We see Anele has, has, has popped out a child there. What is she going to be saying to her Andrew. child? Pop, pop. <laughs> that, that's a bit rude. Okay? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. She had a child. <laughs> we don't um, pop children out. So wh- what is she going to be saying to her child? How is she going to talk to her child about apartheid uh, without, without, I suppose, hating white people? Yeah, and it's a difficult one, right? So how do you, and, and that's probably a big one in the South African context. How do you create, um, how do you educate your children about the history, uh, about their history? How do you educate them about, um, the, the context that they're being raised in? And then at the very same time, ensure that all of that does not result in hatred, does not in, but also does not result in inferiority complexes. Also, the way that, the world is structured. Um, most of the most black kids, let me not say most, but there is there, there's a category of black kids that have now started going to what we would have called 
Model C schools mm. Where they speak English all the time And so on What does that mean for, their, for them and their own identity What, what, what is it that we are um, we, We're teaching them subliminally So we might not necessarily be Going out and teaching them to hate others Or to hate themselves But in the way that the world is structured You You, you, you Accord superiority and importance to, to, to certain cultures and not others And then kids start I mean if you grow up and all the domestic workers you see are black What do you expect? I think the other interesting thing for me Rory Just having some conversations um, This week about the show Is how no one will admit that they are that they are saying things to their kids, that they are being like racially prejudiced in any way to their children. And I think, you know, there's a very small minority of what we call overt racism and overt racists. The guys and girls who are shouting, Yeah, those black people are doing this and this and this and they're killing our peaches and those black people are going, White people must die and we'll shoot them all and let's do this and this and this and this. But it's, it's not that that I'm really interested in. It's, it's more the, the covert or under the table racism. That's, that's like, that's stuff that we don't think about. Like when the doctor comes into the ward and the doctor happens to be a certain color and you have that split second moment where you're like, uh, is this person going to be qualified enough? Um, mm. you know, and, and when, when you are in your car driving and, um, and a taxi comes across you and you're like, bloody taxis! And your kids are in the car or whatever the case may be. Is that, is that, you know, how are you positioning that to the people that are listening? Um, yes. so I think that's the stuff that I'm interested in. If you want to join the conversation, 0861555189, till 11. It's frankly speaking. We want you to frankly speak with us. And <laughs> our producer is saying it's black man and robin. Frankly speaking with black man and robin and Andrew is black man. <laughs> Uh, but uh, we want to hear from you as well. Hit us up on WeChat, Twitter as well, at Rory Shabalala and, um, or at Yebo underscore L-E-V-Y. What have you passed on to your children or what was passed on to you? I think that's the interesting one. As a young person in South Africa, what was passed on to you? And it's so hard because, you know, you love your parents. You think they're amazing. But they had certain views because of where they lived and what they lived in and the time they lived in. What views have they passed on to you? We'd love to hear from you as well. Uh, this is a conversation with lots of people involved. Lots of people. Oh. Lot, lots of different angles as well. So, There's so many people you know, making babies. We were, yeah. So we were looking in preparing for the show. So we had to figure out um, black parents raising black children. So we're going to be speaking to them. Then there's white parents raising white children. We're going to be speaking to them. Unfortunately, we were hoping to get a white parent raising a black child, um, and we couldn't get them. But if you're out there and you'd like to speak to us, please call us. We'd love to hear. But we did have discussions with some white parents raising black kids, and it was really interesting, Andrew, because, for example, when the Penny Sparrow debate hits, and you're a white parent, but you're raising a black child, how do you how do you deal with that? You know, how do you deal with with this? thing and and as you're raising your child the question is do you raise your child black do you raise your child white or do you raise your child colorblind in inverted commas and i was speaking to a parent like this who said you know it's irresponsible to try and raise your child colorblind because the world is not colorblind um and and in fact in many ways you are you are telling her that her color is 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 not is not acknowledged so there's a there's a lot of complexity and complication just around the whole thing of 
raising children, never mind children of, 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 of your own race as a parent, but when the kids are of another race, then how does that complicate issues? So even in mixed race marriages and relationships where one parent is white, one parent is black, the child is, is what we in South Africa would call colored, three different races living under one roof. How do you raise your children to, first of all, appreciate everybody in the house and also to, to, to carry that love that they have across the racial boundaries out there into, into the big wide world? So I must correct you quickly. It's, it's not colored, but mixed race, but I agree with you. Uh, yeah, you I'm see, sorry. there's a difference. Sorry, there's a difference. Yeah. And mixed race people will take offense. You see, you've already offended half our listeners here. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> so I think also the other thing is, um, you know, a lot of people said to me, oh, but does that still exist? You know, are kids, you know, 21 years after democracy, are they still, are they still, you know, do they still have a, a color blur uh, in their perceptions? And the answer is yes. They do. Well, the amount of, of stuff going on in, in schools oh, across South dude. Africa is just unbelievable. So we just, we just got shown, uh, a WhatsApp messages going on in a high school in Johannesburg. Um, and it's, it's, it's young girls having conversations that are racially charged. And, and, and some of the things are really, you read them and you think, oh my goodness. Uh, remember, these are teenagers, right? So this child is growing up thinking, for example, one of the things that came out was that, you know, oh, black people are so disgusting. Uh, they, they, they slaughter animals, um, in their backyards for their brides. Like, I've never been to a bride where they, we slaughtered and then we had a bride immediately. You see, but this is a teenager. This is a teenager. So, so, so we think these things. That's barbaric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We think these things don't happen. And it's, <laughs> and, and these are kids who are being educated in very expensive schools, uh, who are being raised in what we, what, what they believe are good homes, carrying around these, these, these thoughts, right? So it is a big deal. For example, Anushka Swartz, uh, who's a first time listener, sent us a message on WhatsApp, as you can as well. And she said, oh, we, we chat. Yeah, we chat. <laughs> we chat. What did I say? You said WhatsApp. Oh dear. What's wrong with you? I don't want people <laughs> promoting me. Please, the competition. Please, please. I apologize. Anushka Swartz, um, on WeChat, uh, says, Hi guys, never listened to your show before. So first time listener and how relevant is this topic? I am 35 and mom to three kids. One year, one, one year old, five and nine. Oh, a one year old, a five year old and nine year old. They are not aware of race at all, but my nine year old is asking questions and I'd like to see what the approach should be. And we certainly hope to at least uncover some. We're, I'm not a parent. Andrew is a pseudo parent, as he calls it. Um, <laughs> so we might not have the answers in between us, but we certainly have other parents coming into studio. We've got, we've got, um, we've got a psychologist as well, clinical psychologist coming into studio. Um, we've got people that are working with, with, with drama. What's, what's therapy, drama, drama therapy? Drama and therapy. Drama and therapy. So, <laughs> so we've tried to, we've, we've tried to, to approach this from many different angles. Hopefully somewhere in between that, uh, combined with your thoughts on Twitter, um, on WeChat and even calling us in. Hopefully somewhere in between that, we will find an answer. Andrew. Yes. I'm so here. Just tell me, you're a pseudo parent. Mm. What 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 race are your pseudo children? One is mixed race, mm -hmm. and the other is white as day. White as day and mixed race. So, in your personal experience, 
Um, what is the difference between raising these two kids? So one is white and one is 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 mixed race. How are you how are you finding it, and what are some of the complexities that you're faced with? Um, very good question. I think you try as a as a parent, as a pseudo parent, as whatever you want to call it, you try and um, and and bring them up absolutely equally and tell them the exact same things and and show the same same values to both. But you also need to realize that because they have different colors, they are experiencing different things. So um, my mixed-race child was um, on the beach in Jeffreys Bay and was called – was told to go home in Afrikaans, go home whore, mm. you know, while she was just walking on the streets. And I think, you know, like – I mean, for me as a white person, obviously, I've, I've, I've had very limited exposure. But through her, I'm like seeing how – blurred the lines are and how racist we still are in South Africa. She shrugs it off because she says it happens all the time, but she's almost desensitized to it. Mm. Um, but that's just unbelievable to me. Mm. Um, and, and, and what sort of, so what sort of strain does it put on you guys as parents and, and how you engage um, with, with, with these issues? So obviously you don't carry the answers with you either. And because it's such a new experience for you, yeah. um, it, it's not something that you necessarily have the vocabulary or the tools to, to deal with. So how do you guys then deal with it without, without it e- even trying to tear you guys apart? Well, I think it's interesting because, you know, last year, a good example was she went on a, a netball tour and, uh, in Bloemfontein, uh, unfortunately Bloemfontein getting a bad rap. Um, but she went on a netball tour and, um, the parents of the, p- the kids playing. Now this is, this is, you know, 15 year olds playing netball. Uh, the parents were, were screaming the K word at this netball team, which, you know, from Johannesburg, predominantly black. You know, telling the K's to go, go home and f- play netball somewhere else. And, and, you know, if I was at that netball game, I'd probably start a beatdown, you know? Um, mm. but it saddens me hugely. It saddens me hugely that a child, doesn't matter that it's my child, a child has to go through that. Mm. Um, in this day and age, in 2016, a child who, who didn't live in that past, who doesn't need to live in that past, is thrown right back in there because some adult idiot just can't keep his mouth shut and can't keep his views to himself and can't even think that there's another way of living. And and as 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 you navigate uh, obviously parenting um, in this setup, uh, how is how is the, the 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 white child experiencing all of this? So to see your sister come home, and I imagine the mixed race child comes home. And there's no one that she can necessarily speak to maybe um, about these issues because mm. they're very unique and there's sure. no one who's got that, that particular perspective. How then do you, do, you, do you create that space for that child to, 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 to have somebody who actually gets it? Or do you guys get it maybe just because no, you're the no, parent? No, no, no. Listen, you must never think that as a, a parent to a, color, uh, a child of color that, that now you are completely in the know about race and racial issues and the black uh, narrative and all the rest. You're absolutely not. Um, the only thing we can do is listen, uh, actively listen and, and try and support her through her process of thinking um, because it is very difficult. It is mm. hugely difficult. How does the, 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 the white child react? She gets very defensive. It's her sister. You know, mm. like if, imagine someone said to your brother or sister that you're a bastard or whatever. They're going to react. It doesn't matter what color they are. You know, they're throwing hatred speech at you and you react. So it, it's been a huge learning curve and learning opportunity for me personally. 
um, to see what it's like to live as a person of color in South Africa, mm. um, which is, you know, I, I couldn't have asked for a better, a better thing to happen, mm. but it's hugely difficult, hugely, hugely difficult. And I think that, that, that really kicks us off just in terms of what we want to do. You know, it's, it's one thing when we're hurling words at one another on social media. It's, it's one thing when we are going at each other and we refuse to let go of these irrational prejudices, uh, against one another, black against white, white against black and so on. But it's quite another when you start to think, is this what I want my children to inherit? This ignorance, for example, this, 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 this blatant ignorance, this, this hatred. Am Am I happy with my children inheriting it? And, and, and not just in the things that I say, but also in the ways that I behave. Uh, so, so this conversation, I think, will be, I hope, just gets to the hearts of many of us, those that have children and those that might have children one day like me, to say, how do we engage? Uh, because, you know, the, the thing about us as a generation of, of parents and parents-to-be is that our lives are going to be all over social media. So your child is going to be able to Google you, is going to be able to go through your profile at some stage, and they will, she will, he or she will get to see the type of person that you are or the type of person that you've been. And the question is, what will you then say when your child confronts you and says, Mom, Dad, is this what life is really about? Mm. Um, is this the type of person that I should be? So, so yeah. Exciting conversation coming up. <laughs> All right, let's bring let's bring the people who are waiting. They're waiting to have their views. We've got parents from all different age groups. We've got an old fart in the corner here, uh, Peloho Celebano. Um, he just pulled a face. Uh, how dare you? How dare you insult our guests like that, Andrew? Can I just say that me and Peloho have gone? It does not matter. Peloho and I go way you are, back. You are doing that thing that my best friend is black. My best friend is black. <laughs> therefore, <laughs> listen. I knew this guy when he had hair. You see his receding hairline now. You see, he can't even hold it. Um, and we've got some young parents as well in in studio at the moment. Vuiswa and Tiro, uh, join us as well. Hey, join the conversation. Oh eight six one five 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 one eight nine. Are you a parent at the moment are you currently struggling with some of these issues personally like how are you talking to your kids about race what are you saying and what are your prejudices that come through in your kids have you heard your kids say something back to you which you're like oh philip maybe sure but that's that's just from me because mm. they're a total reflection of you right mm. um and are you breeding racists? Are you? Are you, you love the word breeding. Yes, it's because animalistic. Yes, man. because yes. that's what racists yes. are. Yes, animals. All right, let's uh, let's start with elders first, shall we? <laughs> shall we start with elders? Age before beauty. Yeah, definitely in this mm. case. <laughs> uh, Paloho. Ouch. <laughs> what a warm welcome to you, Polo. What a warm welcome. I was called a, what, an old fat. Now I'm called. Okay. Age a fart. A fart. There you go. An old oh, fart. I'm great. We're great. My you... goodness. What a, what an opening, eh? Um, I never even thought about these topics before. Um, yeah, before the whole thing. But I'd never really thought about them before. I just, mm. um, I'm a bit prejudiced sometimes. So sometimes, yeah, sometimes. Wait, wait. Before that, so 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 you're a parent, right? I'm a parent. I've All right. Got, how I've many kids boy, do you have? A boy and a girl. A boy. How how old are they? Uh, they're still very young. Yeah. How old? 
My wife's in three. <laughs> oh, three. Look yes. at him. He's busy looking at his wife like a signal to me. How old are those rugrats? Rory, hold on. We're not judging his parenting. Eh? We're not Dude, judging his parenting. I am in yet. no position <laughs> to judge anyone's my, parenting. My job is to make sure that they behave. All the other things. <laughs> and you feed them. I feed them. Everything eh? else is their problem. No. <laughs> they go to school really already. This is wow, be a super dead. So <laughs> but they listen to me because I beat their ass up. Mm. So yeah, uh, I like the first part when you say, um, "How were we raised uh, as you know to be parents now?" Yes. So I think it starts there at how were we uh, in relation to race, uh, a race? Because I'm from the free state, so. Bluefontaine to be specific, you know, mm. a boy went to UFs where the reads hostel with racist. So now when you're from Bloom, you're already told to be careful. Yes. White mm. people, this, this, mm. you know, when you're in varsity, be careful. Don't walk around at night alone because they will beat you up. It's just a norm. Don't do it. So now all those things, when you grow up also, you grow up with them. So you want to tell them to your kids also say, yo, dude, you know, just mm. be careful because mm. now you're not used to other people. Mm. And other races uh, per se I don't go to school where there were really white people Only the white teachers mm. And again, for me to go to that school You are told white teachers are the best teachers Because they're going to teach you in English mm. So English is a measure of intelligence somehow That's yeah. what you, you know Those mm. things you grow up with mm. Which are quite wrong So it's it's going to be interesting uh, When they grow up this little people of mine uh, What I'm teaching them And you know Do, do, do you think you're, you're raising racists? In, in your current approach and what you are doing, the things you say, your behaviors, the people you surround yourself with, are you raising racists? Yes or no? No, I don't think so. Well, there's what you hope you're doing <laughs> and what you're actually doing. So, well, so, so you hope you're not raising racists, but when you reflect really, on it, do you think you're when raising racists? you racist? look at it and you feel like, okay, the only surrounded by black people, first of all. Okay, only, so, 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 yeah. Right? Okay. So now, the only... Black white people they see are in the mall and on, on TV. It's not mm. people they talk to ever. Mm. And they don't speak English at all because I don't want them to speak English right now. They will speak it later <laughs> on. They, so they speak. I want uh, to have this language conversation. Yeah, they speak only their mother tongue, yes. you know, which is Soto and Stwana sort of. Yes. So now. <laughs> <laughs> sort of. There we yeah, go. Sort of. Yes. So, so I, me and the mother can actually gossip about them if you want in English. That's why most. <laughs> <laughs> we don't so English, English becomes a parent's language yes. So they aspire to speak English yes, one day They look at you thinking I wish my, I can understand my dad and my mom You know <laughs> <laughs> Yeah Yeah But I don't think I'm raising races Or I hope I'm not I, I so, think we but, but let me challenge you on that I'm sorry No, no, no so, okay, so, okay. so So You say you're not raising races I say but, I hope but, so But you hope you're not raising races yes. But are you raising them? In the way that you've just described, you just surround yourself with black people. You, they just speak this language. Uh, they don't speak English. Um, do you feel that you are raising racists? So, yes, there's what you hope to do. But do you think you're raising racists? Are no. you teaching them to to not appreciate across the color line? No, not necessarily. It's just that that's what I'm surrounded with. Um, I'm not teaching them not to appreciate across the color line. Uh, because I know that when they go to grade one, they're going to be surrounded by a lot of white people. And that's what I want them to be surrounded with. Mm. So I don't think I'm racing racist mm. necessarily. No, not really. Plo, I want to take it one step back because it's, it's always easy to say, no, no, I'm not raising a racist. Of course you, you'll never admit, yes, I'm raising a racist. I am raising a racist. That's what I'm doing right now. And I'm proud. What a parent. But let's talk a little bit about your views. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you're a young black South African. Yes. It, you know, it, living post-democracy, the odds are there's been some kind of racial 
prejudice against you uh, personally in your lifetime. Uh, you said you went to, to a free state university. I'm sure it was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your racial views? Do you feel that you're negative? You feel negative towards white people? Do you feel like you can safely and, and, and genuinely have a white friendship? Um, or is it a situation of saying, you know, like, I tried, I'm done? You know, um, I was having this conversation with my wife a couple of days ago to say that a lot, I just feel that way. I'm, I'm being a victim, by the way, in this instance. Correct. Because a lot of white people don't understand how many things we have in common, actually. I just felt like a lot of them don't get it. I can be friends with you because, first of all, I don't even watch typical black shows, if you want to call them that, on TV. You know, even though sometimes I do some... Interpreting for SABC or whatever But I do not even watch their shows at mm. all So now I've got more in common In terms of music I don't even listen to people who call them Previously black music You understand? Oh dude, you listen to like uh, <laughs> what, what, what are these white uh, No, that's not uh, Taylor Swift, man Taylor Swift <laughs> and uh, oh, I mean, uh, what else? Like what else? Don't what else? Like you don't have them in your what car else? What else? What else? Uh, uh, Daft Punk <laughs> <laughs> uh, you listen to Daft Punk is black now <laughs> But anyway, you understand? So we have more in common. So I don't think I will feel like, no, I don't want to be friends with you for a while. Not really. I really have a lot, a lot of things that I do socially, you know, even sometimes politically with you than with one of my friends who are black, which we're always fighting about all those things than with you. But now because people aren't open, they don't even experience that. Because I don't open it to a lot of things. I don't slaughter. I don't believe in doing that because there's blood and stuff all over the place, you know? So that's the problem that, I will associate myself with those people, with our people, you know, not to say those people. <laughs> unfortunately, it doesn't come because where you stay, the places that you go to, you know, and all those things. Puluho, is it a concern though? Is, you know, looking as your children grow up, the things we're seeing in the media, um, as a parent, do you guys, have you guys had conversations? You've got your wife here. Um, have you guys had conversations about how you're going to raise your children? Um, in relation to this country that is just confronted with all of these race issues? We have. We have a lot because now we have to think about school, schooling and whatnot. And I think sometimes my views, my goodness, they can be a bit controversial. I don't like saying them out loud only with, when I'm with her. Say them with us. She's here. So, <laughs> yeah, so you fine. are with her. No one's Say listening. Them. It's fine. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of people listen. I, I feel sometimes... Uh, Dude, black people don't kill me But sometimes We can be so incompetent In, in some things Sometimes So now it's, oh. So, so oh, they're like They're like oh, other wow. black guests In the, oh, in the room wow. That just like wow, That's just wow. like Whoop <laughs> In some things <laughs> Yes So now Because of my The schools that I went to And the teachers that Taught me And how they did things Compared to the teachers We came later on After democracy And now we had Also into black teachers And it's that For me the stand was not even the same sometimes. Feel like, dude, really? You mm-hmm. know, now you're doing this, but you're supposed to be doing this. So now we always feel like, okay, babe, taking term to, you know, a bit model X, former model to school, model C school is a better option because now they will have more things to do. They have more variety in terms of sports because we want mm-hmm. them to play sports in terms of 
it's not a township school that doesn't even have a soccer field. Mm. So that's how we feel about it. But that's so. So it's one thing, township school and so on. But are you saying that about the color, the the, the color of their teacher? So are you saying that you 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 think and it goes through your mind, even if it's just for a split second, that white teachers might be better than black teachers? I just feel like I was, with my experience, they were in my school. Okay. Yeah. yeah. In my school, there were, and that is now affecting the way that it does you're affect viewing. how you view things. Because mm. both of us did go to similar schools, and we see the same thing, so we feel like are they? Are they? You know? Ah, uh, I see some very, very <laughs> interesting people in the studio right now. Vuiswa, uh, I have to start with you, and please just give me your surname correctly. I, I don't want to mispronounce it. Try, you. try, try. Okay, Clay uh, Katwan. Yeah, not that bad. Not Klai that. Katoane. Oh, Okay. Just you swear, it um, you got to come. You got to speak into the mic. I saw you hands crossed at this <laughs> hand man Poloho. Feelings and thoughts about what he's saying. One second, sorry. Okay. Just we, your age uh, and and how old your children are. Okay, I'm 25 this year, and my son is five this year. Actually, awesome. So I'm a young mom. Fantastic. Um, yeah, and he's the only one actually. And so. you're black. We, and we I'm can't black. just assume that this accent belongs to a white to, to a black person. <laughs> no, I was. You right? don't want to assume that the surname belongs to a exactly. black person. Exactly, yeah. exactly. You can't make these assumptions. In <laughs> yeah, life. yeah, that's true. Right. It's so true. she's black. Okay. Yeah, it's very black. Um, yeah. So for me, parenting is like navigating almost countering what society generally says about black people and in relation to white people, right? So my son, even at five, says to me, "I want to be white," mm. and I'm like, "You want to be white." And it sounds stupid, but I get it because he looks at the TV, he hears certain people speaking a certain way when he's watching a certain show and the houses are big, certain kind of people live in those houses, you know? So I get how he associates whiteness with, with wealth, with wealth and good things and, you know, mm -hmm. being the better part. So for me, it's navigating that and saying, no, Papa, as a black person, you are just as worthy. But at the same time saying, you know what? You also deserve to do what white people do. Mm. So it's like a mix between saying you're good enough as you are, but don't be afraid to do what white people do. But now, let me ask you something, because I also I know you well, and you are very strong on making sure that the black narrative is told by black people, mm -hmm. one, and that it gets explored and that it you know doesn't get... Uh, discriminated and brought down um, your views personally mm. about white people in South Africa mm. and the culture of whiteness. Mm. What are they? I think we've got a lot of closet racists, a lot of closet ignorant people, a lot of closet just people who aren't as real as we think they are, mm -hmm. right? And I think the thing that we need to understand about Racism and prejudice, it's not just attitudes. It's a social construct. You know, that's why white supremacy is a thing. Because society, the world at large, globally, everywhere you go, white people are favored, you know? So that's not even something that's specific to this country. It's something that we see. Last year, black children in America were begging white policemen not to kill them. You know, it's not something that's unique to this country. So if you understand that it's a social construct, that it's it's leverage in society as a whole. Then you understand what racism really is. So people can say, I have black friends. I have, I'm, my adopted child is black. And you could still be racist, you know? But also on that, it's so funny how as black parents, we're being asked if we are raising racist. And for me, I'm like, Oh no, 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 no. We got, we got white parents coming as well. Don't worry. Okay. We'll, we'll get there. Don't worry. For we, me, we no. This. No, but I'm just saying like for me, 
black people and racism doesn't seem to make sense because racism is a system that favors people economically, educationally. Do you know what I mean? Black people are not in a position where they can be racist. They can be prejudiced. Can black people hate white people? Yes, but I don't okay, think so. Whatever that's a that system. is, whatever that is, we, that's what we're talking about. Okay. I, I understand the conversation yeah, about black yeah, people can't be yeah, racist. Yeah. For purposes of this discussion, we're talking about hating across the color line. To prejudice. Yeah, yeah. Prejudice. I'm happy with that. I like that. Yeah. I'm with you, to be honest. Me, I disagree. But yeah, anyway, we'll, we'll it's another conversation. But I want to know, and, and perhaps, Tiro, we can bring you in, in, in just a bit. We swear, there must be times where you're, you're sitting at home and you're not even aware your child is somewhere in the room and something happens. You know, um, you see something on Twitter or you see a Facebook post and you're like, White people for heaven's sakes, you know. Um, has that ever happened? One and two. Have you ever thought about what that then happens to your child? In all honesty, I, I've never exposed him to that kind of feeling from me, you know. Like, I wouldn't say, like, F white people or whatever in front of him. But yeah, I might have been like frustrated a few times with white people and maybe without even me being aware that he was aware, you know. Yeah. So, Vuisa, are you raising racists? No. And and why do you say you're not raising a racist? <laughs> because I'm only raising for my son, my son from a point of black pride. You know, mm. for him to be comfortable and to know that even though the world at large, even though the people on TV, even though the magazine, even though the media says that this is better, actually you're just as good. It's and it, like you could totally be pro-black without being anti-white. How does that work? So, so you, you're saying that. So, how do you how do you emphasize um, black pride in your child uh, without making your child feel like one he's superior to white people, and two without hating? And how do you teach them the history of? Because you are very steeped in black consciousness and and so on. How how are you finding the experience of teaching your child the true history of this country? Uh, without turning your child to hatred or to mm. believing he is superior to white people? My son is only five, so I think we're at a point where things have to be age-appropriate, right? And we're not going into, like, really, really, really deep conversations. But for him, I'm not trying to make him hate people. And I don't even talk to him about his blackness in relation to whiteness. Mm. It's just a comfort that he must have with who he is, mm. you know? And he can turn around and say, okay... Who I am is different to everybody else But it's just like a consciousness of you Of yourself, of who you are Especially when everybody else is saying This is not the best kind of person to be Mm. You know So so you obviously, you you had a look at Poloho When he said some things Do you think Poloho is raising racists? No No Do you think he's raising them to hate themselves? <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> yeah. Say it. You um, can say, say it. Say it. it. Be honest. Frank, frankly speaking, you gotta be frank. Okay, here. so for me, like the thing that made my eyebrows raise a little bit is when he was talking about incompetency, mm. right? And for me, it's just like it's almost lazy for us to be critical of the symptoms when we're not going to talk about the cause. If you're going to say black teachers are lazy, we need to interrogate why. Mm. You know. They probably didn't go to the same universities as white teachers. They probably didn't, you know, do a lot of things or get exposure as white people did. So for me to be just but does critical, that but does that change their competency? So no, the fact it doesn't. that you didn't have opportunities doesn't mean that it doesn't. Mm-hmm. But he obviously is reluctant because of something. And for me, it's just like 
um, okay. Reluctant because of something. Mm. Hmm. Because of the past. Polo, because you're reluctant. Of, because of what you experience as a person. That's yeah. why you're reluctant because of what you've experienced before. You know, that's why you feel like, oh, yeah. but I wish things were not the way they were before. When I was growing up, I wish I didn't experience the things yeah. that I had experienced, unfortunately, you know? And I get that, because in some ways, my mom was like that. Like, my mom took me to the best schools, to, like, private schools. Sound like it, eh? Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, is it because of her accent? No, I don't, I don't have an accent. I don't have an accent. You know? Wow. My mom took me to, like, the best schools. She modesty schools, private schools, whatever you want to call them. And it was so funny, because she felt like she was doing the best, but she... Her as a black woman could still not support that. So she could take me to a private school, but she couldn't come to parents meeting. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I was in a private school, but I still most of the time couldn't be part of the concerts because there's no one to fetch you <coughs> at night, you know? Mm, mm. So even as black parents, there are these things that we want our children to be part of, these better things that we want our children to be part of, but there's still like a deficiency that we have. So yeah. All right, we got to, we, we've been, we've been speaking to some black parents. We've got to get white parents in here as well, but I also want to just hear from Tiro here, who's been patiently waiting. Tiro, <laughs> for such a, a loud person, you've been very, very quiet. Uh, Tiro Monachotla. That's right. Have I got that right? Yeah. Monachotla. Yeah. Thank you very much. I'm working on it. 2016, I will be pronouncing people's names <laughs> and surnames correctly. 2016, I'm, I'm going to be pronouncing white names wrong. Exactly. You know, you know the trend. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Tiro. Um, your child is how old? Three years old. Three years old. Okay, yeah. so we've got young parents in the studio right now. Um, just, just, just give us a little sense of what your parents told you. What prejudice? What prejudices do you think your parents pushed on you? They lived in a very different time to you. Yeah. What do you think? Through speaking to them, you know, dinner tables, you know, just normal conversations, what prejudices that they had? Were turned on to you. Um, well, the my father is a very pro-black conscious, uh, black consciousness and and stuff like that. And he he I, he out of both parents, I believe he was the stronger one in sort of pushing against being uh, forgetful of my blackness or or where I come from. You know. Um, I think more than anything, they sort of raised me to understand both worlds, if I may put it that way, uh, to not look at people as white or black, but Max is Max. Although he's white, he's my friend, and if I want to go sleep over at Max's house, I did. And that was the case in, in my home, you know. Um, my mother, on the other hand, was very chilled about it. She 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 didn't have any... Uh, sort of issues with kind of uh, the race, although she did go through that whole uh, struggle that the country went through and all of that. But she also, like, I, I feel like I had very nice parents. You know? <laughs> <laughs> at, at, at which age then did you come to 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 realize that you that the, that you're black first of all, and that you are different to white people. Uh, how old were you when that started happening? I think I've always known that I was black because uh, my dad had this thing of always talking in Tswana when we're at home. Mm. Like he would promote talking Tswana even though uh, my Tswana isn't as fluent or as mm. as his was. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you know. So like, Papa <laughs> 
you know yeah. um at times there'd be visitors at homes at at, at my home and uh then we would sort of accommodate them and because my dad is like <laughs> a weird kind of character <laughs> if a closer guy comes into the house then he starts acting closer like Chong, come on so but like there was never like um i don't know there, there wasn't really strong boundaries until like there were moments where it was very clear to me that okay i am black and i am not Max, me and Max might be friends, and he's white, but I'll never be what Max is. Are you still friends with Max? No, no, not anymore. <laughs> so, so at which stage does the relationship with Max? So, so a lot of a lot of of of, of young black and white kids that went through the Model C system uh, grew up with these multiracial relationships. You get to a certain age where all of those multiracial relationships yep. disappear. <laughs> at which stage did that happen, and 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 why? Okay, so there was a situation. So how it was is I used to visit Max's house all the time. Um, and Max would come to my house. Um, and then soon after that, we proposed to our parents that either I go sleep over at Max. (laughs) 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 That either I go sleep over at Max's house or he comes over to my house. And firstly, my pops was like, no, cool. Go over to Max's house. Let's arrange it. Let's meet Max's parents and have a sit down and everything. And it was cool. Um, Went to Max's house for a sleepover once And then came a time when Max had to come visit and sleep over at my house And for some reason, Dad said Max's parents had a problem with it Where were you staying at the time, just out of interest? Cape Town, I was in primary school, I think uh, Grade 5 Where so. in Cape Town? Be specific Kenilworth Kenilworth? Yes Kenilworth's not a bad area Max no, was not. staying in Kenilworth N- No, right? I was staying Used in Kenilworth okay. Max wasn't staying in Kenilworth Where was Max staying? I don't remember But it oh, was but it w- It's on the wrong side of the tracks We know that with Cape Sermons <laughs> they, They're weird like that <laughs> But like, yeah um, The time came when Max had to come sleep over at my house And it didn't happen Because Max's parents had a problem with it And so my dad was like You and Max are no longer friends Oh, because Max is because not willing to. You, you, you're Max always per- going there, and he's not. He's not willing to. Mm. Yeah. So it was. I think from my dad's point of view, it was a matter of them seeing me as black mm. and him seeing Max as a child. You know, like uh, a child uh, is a child is a child. Are you Are you raising racists? I don't think so. Eh? Mm-hmm. You're not raising your kids to feel they're superior to white people or racially prejudiced. I don't. I don't think I am. Why? No. So you don't hope you are. But you, so you've got you've got do you do you have a, a mixed group of friends coming over to the house, interacting with the child? Um, do you do, do you speak affirmingly about white people the same way you speak about black people? Do you do the types of things that a child will look at and say, you know what? Yeah, oh, you know, we're all the same. Um, I think there, there's like I do have um, maybe one or two white friends, if I may put it that way. Uh, <laughs> But <laughs> <laughs> I like you. So we see the inverted commas in the air as well. Yeah. Yeah, but um, I don't think I consciously like try to turn my son against any race, be it colored or mixed race, sorry, or whatever. You know, um, if we're at Hyde Park and bump into Andrew, and that's Andrew, and hey, Andrew, how's it? Yeah, this is my boy, and he knows he's. We we have interacted with uh, his boys, stoked man. Yeah, and, you know, it's, it's cool. naughty. Yeah, so I don't I don't think I'm, I'm 
raising so, so, so the, the one thing I'd like to ask as we wrap up with the black parents is that are you teaching your kids to be, to, to feel inferior in the way that you're raising them as well? So there's one thing to raise them to feel they're superior to white people, but do you think that in the things that you're doing, you are teaching your kids to be inferior? Puluho, you mentioned that, you know, in, in, in this culture, and, and yeah, it's just music and so on, but we know that in South Africa, there is this thing called it, this is white music and mm, so on. Mm. Do you think that you are teaching your children to be, to feel like they, who they are is, is inferior to, to what uh, white people are? I think I was I was brought up to feel that way personally, mm. Mm. Um, to say, "Look, guy, this is better because of mm. of this." Mm. You know, yeah, like even the way we talk when uh, if somebody's mm. your boss, we say it's your white person. Mm. So you are taught to say a white person is always a boss. You know, mm. like mm. this is the boss. So now you're trying to. When you, when you speak, not to say such things, like, like, you know, mm. you try, even where's though, your white person? yeah, where's mm. your white person? White mm. person meaning, where's your boss? Mm. It's not, so now you try not to be like that, even though you came out of that system that told you that, dude, from your parents, from personally, mm. from my grandparents to say, yo, you know, they say that even mm-hmm. now, some of my, my sister, my mom's sisters are domestic workers. So when they're, white people come over, House gets painted and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> mm. yeah. See, my yeah. grandparents do that. Yeah. Yes. And so now you're trying to make sure that you don't do the same thing to your kids. Mm. You know, yeah, that's all we can try to say. We are all equal, my boy. Uh, don't worry. So I don't need to speak English though. Everybody must speak your language when. <laughs> that's what I'm teaching them. Yes, speak, they must speak. Speak so to boy. Everybody mm. must speak so to with you. Mm. Yeah. People might say he's not clever because he doesn't speak English, but hey. Yeah. Mm. Well, but he's not clever because of. Me. Dad, yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, stop picking on our guests. It's harsh, but it's fair. Guys. Guy, it's, harsh, but it's, fair. it's harsh, but it's fair. Um, no, not to be inferior and not to think of himself as superior either. I think it's just for him to realize that he's another human being and there is equality. And even though the world says that there's, you know, a difference. Um, Levels, Gwedin. Yeah, Levels. yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, so it's just equality, actually. And and Tiro? Um I personally don't think that uh, I'm I'm raising them to be inferior or like um because I personally try to instill that thing that human is human, um, be it black, white or whatever, um in him. Um I will buy him a minions DVD where it's all white and all fun, but I will also Try get him like a book, Zakumi or whatever it is. You know, like just I don't know. Like there isn't really a, a like. Let like me I ask said. you guys: Have you have you ever tried to have the conversation about our history with with your children? So so where have you ever had the conversation about apartheid? Where where we come from as a nation? Have have any of you tried to have that conversation yet? I feel like my son is still young. Yeah, he's five. So okay, he's three. And I don't okay. even know how I'm gonna start it when I started. Mm. I'm not sounding as if This other is like people. the new sex conversation Yeah it's hard mm. Because you don't want to make them <laughs> yeah, talk You don't want to make them Feel like Teddy white granny like live we in were brought areas. up You know mm. We were brought up to feel like Yeah they did this to us mm. So you don't want that mm. to do The same thing to do to them You want us, them to feel like We're all one As a people But you must also be proud As a black child 
So there's this statistics that says um, that uh, I can't remember the percentage, but it's a, it's a huge percentage between 70 and 90 percent of your most foundational thoughts are in those early years. Uh, you know, between the age of one. So, so by by postponing it, mm. do you think that by the time you try and have the conversation, it will be too late? I don't. I personally don't think so. I think by postponing it, you are sort of um, letting them get to a point where they can make up their own mind when the time mm. comes. I don't know if that makes sense. So, like, um, so you're not controlling how they feel about it or but how... if you're not doing it, the media's doing it. Yeah. Do you think that they're just going to make their own minds out of nothing? So, so how, how are you leaving that to something else other than yourselves? The best you can do is just... Be honest with their child. Let them be who they want. Like my 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 thing is to let him be who he wants to be. You know, mm. um, be it uh, like I was having a conversation with my girlfriend and and we were discussing what if he becomes he grows to be gay because he's a boy. <laughs> you know, and it's sort of like the same thing. Like mm. what if he grows to become a racist? You know what I mean? Mm. And there's not much you can do in telling them that no, uh, you must uh, like white people. No, no. no. Like I'll take you to the school where you will meet white kids, and I'll take you to that place where black mm. kids are like mm. you will visit your grandparents in Soweto for a while, and you know, and make up your mind. And, and you don't like, mind if your child grows up to be a racist. I do. Yeah, I do. Of mm-hmm. course, I do. Because I'm not one. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's why I was also saying that I'm sort of glad that my parents raised me the way they did because I don't. I was raised to believe that human is human, and. um Although uh, my father was very uh, strong on um, the ideologies of being aware of my blackness and who I am, you know, and I appreciate that. But I don't want to now put my son in a situation where he does does not uh, rationally see life as life, like a shared space for all human beings to to be in. You know, Um, he needs to understand that for him to to be existent in this place, there has to be another person out there. You know, I want to. I want us to, to quickly take a break because uh, there's been. Vuis was like, there's been lots of black talk in here, and we need to get a wide view in here. Christy Hansen has also got a young child. We'll get her in, and I want you guys to stick around. Palo Celebana is leaving. I promised him that he could get to his celebrity day job by <laughs> by ten o'clock. Thank you, Palo, for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. And for to his wife, and to his wife for coming Dude. through. Oh, and she's. Yeah. I know, dude, that wife, dude. I know. Wow. Yo, what, did, what did you do? Yo. What did you do? Let us, boys, we'll, we'll have this over a drink somewhere. Oh we don't need gosh. to be letting her know these things. Otherwise, Polo. she's going to get out of control, right, Polo? <laughs> it's date night, and your wife wants you to bring Ray to bed with you. You suggested Tyrion, or maybe even Sheldon, if she fancied something a little different. But no, Ray Donovan, it is. So you get your tablet and you meet her in the bedroom. Because with Showmax for 99 Rand a month, you get to watch full seasons of the biggest series. On the couch, in the kitchen, in bed. Online, anytime. So get to Showmax.com and get your seven-day free trial. Unreal. Uncensored. Unradio. Cliffcentral.com. Back in studio at Cliffcentral.com. It is, frankly speaking...
with Rory Sung and Andrew Levy. We are talking about are you raising racists? A lot of people get uncomfortable when they, they think about it. They'll, they'll put stuff on Twitter without much thought of it. But when you asked, are you raising your child to have certain racial prejudices? It all becomes very, very closed and not even thought about. You know, this is the thing. No one's thinking about what they're saying and whether that affects their child. Uh, we've got Christy Hansen in uh, studio as well, a parent who is also happens to be white. Um, she, of course, joined us last year as well in our White Privilege series. You can check that out if you go to www.cliffcentral.com four part series. Just hit Frankly Speaking and you can check it out there. Christy, good morning to you. Morning. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So you've been sitting very nice and quiet hearing all these views. What do you think? Well, I think it must be very difficult to be a black parent um, because you are up against a, a system, as it's been described, where your kind are maybe ranked or seen as inferior. And I'm going to put it out there. And that's why I say that racism doesn't swing both ways the same way. Because I think as a black child, less to, to a lesser degree, it's not as obvious. You know, probably Indian kids get it worse today because we kind of muzzled ourselves when it comes to like direct black racism, but there's a ranking and it exists around the world. It's like Lord of the Rings. You've got like the elves at the top and then you've got all these different species of creatures and they have their strengths and their roles and they're all fighting, you know, to get the ring to the, the place. They're all working together, but there is, there are differences and there are similarities and there are belief systems which say that this must stay here and this must be here and, and this is how we order the world. And that's why for me, for Musi Maimani or anyone to say, I will not have any racist in my party and anyone who is, um, uh, identified as being a racist will be thrown out is, is, is dumb because we are all products of the systems of thought that uh, that we have grown up in, that we've been exposed to through stories like way back Walt Disney, like some of his early cartoons are extremely um, racist, and the 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 music, the the jokes that we tell are all about building like word clouds around different races, and we walk around with these ideas that Chinese people are like you know Chinese Japanese money please, you know they just want your money or that. You know, all the, we have ideas and we share these ideas. It's not unique to white people or black people. Black people probably know the ideas that we have or that the world has about black people. All right, Christy, just to bring our guests in here, part two, we are talking. Are you raising a racist? If you want to join in the show, uh, hit, hit us up on WeChat. You can send messages through or questions to our guests as well as on Twitter at Rory Shabalala or at Yebo underscore Levy. L-E-V-Y. Uh, Chrissy, last year you came in and you said that it's very difficult as you've grown older to mix with black friends. You had a lot of friends when you were younger and that seems to have disappeared as you've got older because it's just more difficult. Talk to me through your, your child. Funny enough, you're using the example of Max. His name is Max, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we'll talk about Max, the white kid. The white kid. So Max is how old? Max is eight. Max is eight. So he's getting to that age where he starts to ask questions about the world. How are you approaching the subject of apartheid and, and why does Max have black friends? Do they come over? Does Max go sleep over at, at black friend's house? There's a lot of questions here. Sorry, so. I know. I'm bombarding you. Go with it. Okay. Um, 
has Max asked me anything about the uncomfortable past? Yes. He asked me the other day, what was it like living in apartheid? And uh, I was like, gulp, because, you know, on the one hand, yes, there was, uh, there was a lot of stuff going down, political stuff. But in my little bubble of experience, the only, like, in terms of that that violence and stuff, the only exposure I had to it was that, like, one day my maid wouldn't come home because her pass, she didn't have a pass and she was put in jail. Like, so then I was like, shit, that, uh, sorry, that's hectic. And that was my only exposure to this sort of uh, um, state. But for what I was trying to tell Max is that on, on one hand, it was, like, very well organized and things worked well. And it's hard to deny that, you know. I mean, um, there was... There was just a sense that that things for us worked better, and we lived a very good life. We had massive lawns, uh, big houses, and servants, and and Max. That's what it was. But for black people, um, it it wasn't that great. I'm looking at you two, um, and I wanted to find. I wanted to give you the opportunity to ask a question. Maybe that you've been thinking. You know, we we frankly speaking here. Be frank. Ask a question to a white parent about something you might have had, some difficulty, challenge that you might have had as a black parent that you think is strictly about race. Is there anything about that in your mind? Well, anything you want to ask me at all about racism? Well, I think I think the interesting thing is when Christy came, um, she got a lot of backlash, right? Right. Um, what show was it? We were... It was the White Privilege. It was the White Privilege series, right? And and she got a lot of backlash, Um, and a lot of people called you racist. And you came out of that. How was your experience? You, I remember you came out of that and you said, "Geez, I've learned a lot," and and so on. Did you go back to your child and say, "You know what? I was on this show. I realized that some of the things that I've been thinking might not necessarily be right." I need to correct them with you. Did you ever do that, or are you just assuming that uh, he'll sort, he'll figure it out as he goes? No. Okay. So these conversations are a little bit unnatural for him. I'm trying to because I'm in this process with you guys. I have been trying with him, you know, to talk about these things. But he also doesn't really get it. He's not in my same headspace. Like he's like he can't understand where all this hatred or why it's such a tense issue or why I'm on about it or what I'm even on about. Like for a long for the longest time he couldn't see the cultural identifiers between the kids in the class. So he couldn't tell for to him everyone was just a shade of brown. You know, and this word black who's black? You know, it didn't make sense to him. So it's still early days with him. Um and but but in response to your question, I'm gonna tell you right now I'm a racist. This is what I've realized in this process that you guys have thrown me into. Is that I'm ha- so violent? No, <laughs> I, I know that I'm here as like the 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 scapegoat and the no. sheep to the oh, slaughter. No, 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 no. But anyway, I'll tell a- you that it's a difficult. It is difficult because you have to put your beliefs on the table and look at them and go, where does this come from? Why am I acting like this? Have I got racist tendencies? And when you do start challenging yourself and interrogating your beliefs, you realize, yes, you do. You got many. Mm. And so then what do you do? Lose your job. I mean, I'm I'm at risk, you know, you Mm. can't say things in this country. If you leak that you have hidden biases, you can lose your job. So, but I don't think that's right. I think we should be speaking because it's like South Africa's on the therapy chair. Let's have this conversation. And that is why we're frankly speaking. It's true. (laughs) true. I'm interested. um, 
to to understand Christy from you, um, we did that series White Privilege last year. You know, just because you're white, there there are some privileges that you have. How do you explain those to Max? Or have you even started explaining them that because he is white, he he was born into a family that benefited from a system, and therefore he will continue to benefit for the foreseeable future? I think it's quite it is quite complicated to explain to a child why you are why your Christmas party at your school looks like this. And when I take him to Deep Sluit because we went there for with Rotary to throw a, a Christmas party for the kids, why their Christmas party looks like that. So Max came to the Christmas party and he afterwards he said, that's the worst Christmas party I've ever been to. Because there were 30 kids on one trampoline and that was the only entertainment. And, they, and, and it was really just a lot of sitting around, you know, and he wasn't impressed with that Christmas party at all. So that's when he starts to see certain differences. Um, but I'm not like, I'm not over explaining. I mean, he's living his life. He's at the complex in the pool. There's big black kids and there's all kinds of kids and he can swim better than the 12 year old black kid. So he's like, you know, why can't you swim? I swim much better than you. And then he starts to think, well, maybe I'm better than them because I'm white. But it's not, you know what I mean? But he's coming to his own conclusions because of what he sees. If every poor person he sees is black, he's going to start making us, you know, deductions. The brain does that to say that Black people are poor. But h- how are you impacting that? So it's your it's your role as a parent to make sure that whatever external influences your child is having, you're moderating them and you're making sure that they don't impact him negatively. So what how, what are you doing to to make sure that those views aren't impacting on him negatively and aren't, and those stereotypes don't don't come to is he is he hanging out with a lot of are you hanging out with a lot of black people is he going yes. into environments where black people are showing competence in something yes. where uh, he can school, say wow his school is a you know very good school and he has a very mixed class and they're all on the same level they have the same accent they have the same toys in fact the black kids roll up in bigger cars than the white kids to a large degree at this school um so he's definitely exposed to very let's say sophisticated African kids who are no different to him whatsoever. But um, but there's also the larger context that we live in. Um, I've had to teach him not to engage with the guys at the window, you know, in the car, because they, they, they go for him. So they're trying to sell things to him, and they're chatting to him, and he's chatting to them. And I'm like, just, you know, you've got to be vigilant. So there's a role as a parent to teach a child how to, you know, to be vigilant, but you also don't want them to learn racism out of vigilance. Okay, let's bring in some some other guests here. We have got uh, Roderick Nixon and Jamie. Jamie is it Jamie Lomax? Or was it Jamie Lomax Nixon Lomax Nixon Nixon Lomax? What is your surname, Jamie? <laughs> Nixon. Nixon. Okay, we're going with Nixon. Roderick Nixon, thank you guys for coming to the studio as well. Jamie is a young adult. I can say that now. You're 13. Is that yes. correct? And Roderick, you're the proud father of this young adult. I am. You age now because of her. You know that, right? Yeah. We've also got uh, Carol Shaw. She joins us uh, on Skype. Uh, good morning to you, Carol. Hi, good morning. There we go. Okay, so you've got uh, Roderick and Carol. Let's start with you and we'll get Jamie in, in just a little bit. Um, slightly older children than, than what we've been speaking about here in studio up until this point. How do you stop the prejudices of the past? How do you stop the moments where, where I suppose racist thoughts could, could creep into either your thought process and then transcend to your children or 
from a, from society themselves. And maybe let's let's start with you, Roderick, in studio. It's 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 a difficult one. Um, you know, it's not something that can happen passively. Um, we all have our hang-ups. We've all had passive learning from the system growing up, and it takes a, a conscious decision to go. I I can't show this to my child. So every interaction that I have, I've got to think about my my reactions before I have them because you know children are, are sponges if they they watch you and they pick up everything that you do um, so I think it, as parents if you you consciously have to decide that this is the example I want to set for my child and you have to kind of exaggerate almost um your your reactions so you know you've got to consciously go being being non-racist is is all well and good but it's not enough you have to be anti-racist um you know non-racist is is a bit passive and that's fine you know it's not going to perpetuate the problem it's not going to make things any worse but it's not going to teach my child how to make things better um so yeah, it's it's difficult, you know. Again, you kind of overcoming forty years of my own passive learning and and stuff like that. Um, and I would be the last person to put up my hand and say, you know, I'm a shining shining example of of it. But you try, and every day you go out there and you get situations and you try and act the way that you should. Carol, slightly different question to you on Skype. Uh, have you? How old are your kids, Carol? Um, my oldest is seventeen. Okay. Um, and I have a little one of three and another one of seven months. Your eldest, seventeen. Have you ever? Have you ever said anything racist or racially prejudiced around him? What was his reaction? Um, well, her. Her and, apologies. Um, yes, I have. <laughs> um, I'm in the process of relearning as well. Um, all the time. Um, it, it's it's uh, in South Africa. We do. We have this whole other facet to parenting to undo all of this damage. Um, not to mention all the other all the other stuff that we carry from our own parents in in every single aspect. But um, also with the whole racism issue in South Africa, which I think is it's fairly unique. We don't. I don't really see this. I don't know in other countries how big of a deal it is. Um, and. So, yes, I have. And what has – and initially, I sort of – I was very aware um, as a young person, um, initially being raised in a family that were inherently racist, um, just off the cuff all the time, to then our family modified, and my father remarried a woman who was far more liberal-minded and far more open-minded. And so I was introduced to a whole – to a totally different view, which did start to make me more sensitive – um, so I was more sensitive in raising my daughter. Um, in the, you know, she was born in the late 90s. Um, I didn't want my daughter to be raised a racist. I didn't believe that that was going to, you know, make her life any any better. That's for sure. She needed to live in South Africa, be a South African. So it had to be different. Um, so initially, I thought being colorblind would be the solution. And I now realize that that is wrong. Um, that's disrespectful. You have to acknowledge everybody and where they come from. 
Um, it's very dismissive to just be colorblind and just pretend like, oh, well, we're just going to pretend that, you know, the last 40 odd, 50 odd years didn't happen and we're going to carry on from here. Um, but she's picked up her own, own information along the road. I'm, I'm very blessed with that. And she's very aware. She calls me out on stuff all the time. Mm. Um, she, she'll call all of us out on stuff all the time. Stuff like what? Um, white privilege stuff. Mm-hmm. She's very aware of it. Um, she actually brought it to my attention when she was 15. And that was actually the spark that sort of got me to start really examining my language, my behavior, um, and that sort of thing. She actually brought it up first. Where, where is she learning all of this stuff? If she's, she she did she obviously didn't learn that piece from you. So so where do you think she she learned that? I think she she's learned it from school. Mm. Um, she's her school. She's attended schools that have been um, definitely primary school was a lot more multicultural. Um, her high school at the moment is it, well, is not. Um, it's very 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 white. Um, but yet she has, what she learned as a, as a very little person has kind of come with her and she actually, um, she'll speak out against racism and against white privilege in her school now herself. So I want to bring our resident psychologist in, um, on the conversation before we move to, to, to Jasmine, uh, the child. Jamie, uh, Jamie. Jamie, I'm Come sorry. On. I apologize, but I told you, 2016, we're saying their names I wrong. Win. We are saying their names wrong. Jasmine. Yeah, I yes. <laughs> I'll call you Jasmine. Or would you rather call you Jemima? <laughs> you decide, okay. I, I'm kidding, you're Jamie. Uh, uh, Neo, welcome. Uh, Neo is, Neo Pule is a counseling psychologist based in Sunnyside, Pretoria, and an executive member of Psychology Society of South Africa, also a lecturer at the University of Pretoria. We are confronted here with Parents who are, we heard it from Christy, we're hearing it from Carol, we're hearing it all across, all across, especially the white parents, is that we're in the process of learning ourselves and then here we are, we're supposed to then teach our kids values that we ourselves are in the process of learning. How difficult must it be? I don't know why anyone wants to have kids this, these days. How do they, how do they deal with all of this in South Africa? It's complex. Yeah, that's that, that's what smart people say when they say we don't. I don't know. No, no, I mean it. Yeah, it's complex. Mm. You have issues that are macro, mm-hmm. you know, macro system issues. Things happening in the in parliament, things happening in the constitution, things happening on the news. You know, all those things that affect everyone. Almost the same, if I can put it like that. But there are things that happen a little bit far away from us, though they impact us directly. Mm. You end up, then you end up having issues that are a little bit closer. What you learn in, in the community, in church, in 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 maybe in your racial group or class, social class too. And then you have issues. That come up in your social circle Among your friends People you, you work with and, and, and then you have your own family And then you have your own house So it's complex mm. It's not that simple But I think we need to Come to a point where we understand racism As A belief system Or an attitude 
And that's why the term unlearning or learning is an important term. Mm. Because those things you can learn them and unlearn them. Mm. Attitude and belief. Mm. And racism is a belief or an attitude that that is based on it's okay to 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 place people on a hierarchical pattern in terms of race mm. and in the end we end up constructing power systems and then i end up believing that i am superior over another mm. and so by default i come up with beliefs and attitudes that fit that superiority mm. and what makes that perpetuate is that I'm threatened in my self-esteem as a group of people and I make sure that I disempower the other group so that I can regain my self-esteem. Mm. So I'm glad we started talking about white privilege because that's actually how it came about. Mm. And it's one's own preservation of, of, of self-esteem um, and how I, I can feel good about myself um, about certain things. Let me let me ask. So so, uh, our parents uh, uh, that that are here, especially the white parents, are saying we're learning these things. As mm. you said, we can learn and we can also unlearn. Mm. I'm in the process of unlearning. I'm in the process of learning, but I'm also in the process of trying to teach and shape another human being. Um, how how do you how do you deal with that? If 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 any of these parents were to come to your couch, uh, if you if you have one, and to say, Doc, help me. What what would you what would you say? I think there are two things that I would like um, to highlight on 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 that issue is that in parenting there is if we link parenting with developmental stages of 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 um, development, oh, I've mm. just repeated myself here. Yeah. Mm. Um, between and up till the age of five six. Children are in a situation where they are socialized And they are taught certain things about Life And the way that We are going to agree on certain things What are the social norms What are the right ways and wrong ways that we believe That's moral development um, Is going to shape that child By the moment they go to school We need to then help them to sift out from what we taught them, com- in comparison to what they learned from school, what is it that they need to chuck out and what is the need they need to keep? By the time they're teenagers, we need to help them to make decisions about the bigger system exposure that they're getting. So it's not just us, it's not just the school, but it's friends. So you're disagreeing with Tiro who says, I'm simply allowing him, he will figure it out when he gets there. I hope he doesn't become a racist, uh, but I'm just going to let him be who he is. You're saying, no, you actually have to take an active role in that? My belief is that parenting is an active process. If you're not being active, then you're being passive. And if you're being passive, then you're not taking responsibility. Mm. And how do children learn to take responsibility if they don't get the role modeling from their parents? So, you know, parenting is, 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 is not, it's not that simple in the sense of you're needing to also teach your children skills of life. Mm. And one skill of life is responsibility. And that kids learn as they see you teach, 
parent them. Mm. You see. But no, uh, uh, let me push you here for practical advice. There's a parent who's sitting at home. It's Anushka Swartz who's who sent us a, a WeChat message, yep. um, and she's saying, "Okay, so what do I do? Because I am in the process of learning myself." Um, I am trying to to get this right. So, what are the practical things that I need to do in order to take an active role in in shaping um, my my children's views on these things? Okay, one of the ways that I like to explain systems of prejudice or systems of power, and I mean, the topical issue in South Africa is racism. Is issues of internalized oppression and internalized dominance. And what this is about is that. Um, somebody talk, spoke about passive learning mm. it, along those lines mm. um, where ideas are perpetuated over time that there comes a point where they are not taught as aggressively and then they become internalized. So by default, I believe certain things. So we get to a point where if I can blanket it, a very dangerous statement I'm about to make. Um, but you you get to a point where there's a group of people probably expected to be white people who have enjoyed white privilege and have internalized the 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 ideas and belief systems that come with that, and black people who have been oppressed in the past who have internalized the oppression, and um, and so what we need to do is to own our privilege on the one side. And then own our oppression on the other side. And once we have owned the oppression or owned the privilege, we can take responsibility for that and say, okay, fine, I have been privileged. How do I then move towards the other person to, to, to coexist with them? Okay, I've been oppressed. How do I forgive? Or how do I then integrate myself into this past where I've been oppressed? And come out of this low self-esteem because when you are in a state of internalized oppression, you are you are having a low self-esteem. There's anger that comes with it, and all of this. So there's a lot of emotional work that needs to happen on both sides. And so when I work with racism, I rather work with the diversity dynamics than work with the the you know the the problem that we are so focusing on. But so. The, the, for me, the correct issue is how can I move towards the other person, regardless of which side that I find myself, right. um, and then work through those the anger and the and the and the, you know that whole grief process. Mm. Um, so, yeah. so it's actually what you do before the racist incident. It's not how we address the, this problem called racism. Is how we engender a culture or a way of doing things in the family that prevent these things from becoming what we come to know as racist uh, things. Look, but I mean, even if you do find yourself in a, a position where you would say you are racist or where you have been treated in a racist manner, in the, at the end of the day, there is this emotional work to do mm. because you have to own, okay, fine, I've acted in a racist manner. I then need to identify myself as a racist, own that identity and then you make a choice whether you want to stay like that or not. And 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 w- when you decide to not stay like that, that there's an unlearning that needs to happen. And when you decide that you want to be like that, then it means you have to then accept that as your identity and make sure that you're going to be able to integrate into society. You know, and each one has consequence. 
All right, we, we are talking about are you raising racists? We've got the doc in studio here. Uh, I want to give uh, an opportunity while we're discussing stuff to, to get the parents in the, in the studio right now. If they've got questions that have been on their mind about how they are raising their child, give us a thought and, and then ask your questions. Uh, we encourage us on WeChat and Twitter as well. Are there questions out there, parents, that uh, you want to ask in terms of how you're affecting your children? Today in post-democratic South Africa, we'd love to hear your thoughts on that and potentially Neo can answer them. Uh, Jamie, I want to bring you in here. Don't look so scared, Jamie. I know I've, I've got a man bun, but just, just relax. It's okay. Come closer to the mic. We need to hear from you. I'm going to ask you a very simple question. Have you ever caught your parents being racist? Um, some of the things they have said have like come off as a bit racist. And I do try to call them out on that, and I try not to repeat stuff like that. But yes, I have called them out on being racist. Give us, give us an example. Your mom says that you are Che Guevara light. So give us an example of, <laughs> of something. Like, can you remember a specific time? Um, not a specific time with my parents, but like with my grandparents, there have been a few times, like. My grandfather will call the gardener garden boy, and I'll say, no, he's a gardener, and he's a man who's probably older than you anyway, so. Your, your, your mom said that there was an incident at school um, that happened where, I'm not going to use the language she used, which was really interesting, but she said that a child said, white people won apartheid because Mac more black people died. What was your response to that? Um... I asked him why he thought killing people was a win. And when he explained, well, if we didn't die, then that meant we won. So I told him that actually it doesn't. We win when the killing stops. And no one exactly won apartheid. It's a thing that really shouldn't have happened. And like after so many years of living in decor... Degradation. <laughs> Sorry, I've forgotten the word. Democratic. Oh, democratic. Okay. You're okay. You're okay. You're doing brilliantly. Um, South Africa, we should really stop talking about who won and who didn't. And all we should be trying to do is trying to encourage people to stop acting like they would have done so many years ago. There's a lot of clapping hands and clicking fingers here. Jamie, let me ask you something. Um, cause this is a personal thing that I went through. You're now 13. It's very exciting. Dad, do not listen what's happening next. Okay. Close your ears. Jamie, you're now, you know, coming of age, as they say. It's very exciting. Boys or girls, potentially, you know, it's, it's a new world, are becoming interesting to you. Would you say that you're attracted to all boys of all colors or have you, have you been in the past? And I know it's hard to say, but in the past attracted maybe just to, Oh, that boy looks cute, or, or and so on. Um, looks do have a lot to do with it, but like, I don't really mind if you're black, white, coloured, Indian. But I think it's more attractive to find a person who's really nice and preferably who reads than someone whose skin colour doesn't really matter to me. You ain't about that ignorant ish, eh? <laughs> <laughs> what are you writing? <laughs> And about ignorant guys, eh? The reason I asked Jamie this is because I battled with this myself, Jamie, you know, about being very honest. Girls who don't read? Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, no, actually, I was the illiterate one. Um, no, but um, growing up, you know, you would use that typical sentence, and it's very common amongst private school 
uh, attitudes uh, where you'd go, oh, I'm just not attracted to black girls. It's it's nothing. I'm not racist. I just I'm just not attracted to them, you know. And and you know, I never questioned that in my mind. I was just like, oh. Attraction isn't about race or like where we've come from. It's about what I think is hot, and I think this is hot. And um, and I realized that that was a small way that I have been socialized coming from apartheid that was completely crazy. And then when my eyes opened, and you know, thankfully they opened, but only a couple of years ago, I realized that the dynamics in this country is that there's 50 million people of which 40 million are of color. And I've got a hell of a lot of good choice in 40 million people. (laughs) Carol, are you still there? I am. So you've got a 17 year old. I just like to extend this question to you. So your daughter brings home a a, a black boyfriend. Uh, Has that happened? Um, uh, uh, Have you guys had those conversations and, and, and how is that uh, playing itself out? We've definitely had the conversations. Um, she hasn't brought home any boyfriends yet. Uh, um, iron first, hey, Carol. <laughs> and she, uh, but we, I have absolutely no problem with it. I, I just, I honestly would want, all, all I want for my daughter is to be happy um, and to be in a respectful, loving relationship. And I honestly, look, her dad, on the other hand, is a different story, but not Bradley, her biological father. Um, but for us in our home, any if she thinks he's fantastic, we think he's fantastic. It's not going to make any difference. Roderick, you put up your hand at some stage uh, when there's those answers came about. What, what's your story? Uh, I was just uh, agreeing with with Andrew. I also had that. Um, I'm just not attracted to black girls mm. thing. It's not a color. It's not a racist thing. It's just. But is it I, a racist thing? Oh, it totally is. Why? Oh, it totally is because you you don't. No, it disagrees. The psychologist. Okay, disagrees. let me put my point yeah, across yeah. first. You, you look at a woman, and if you are heterosexual, certain f- certain features will um, be attractive to you. Not only mind, but physicality features as well. And you have a you know they call it your type. What's your type? And you like you name your type. And when your type doesn't include dark skin, black skin, brown skin, black hair, brown eyes, it's all about blue, blonde, this and the other, then you have been racially prejudiced because you're not allowing yourself to go, hey, but, you know, like, Voice was looking hot today. It doesn't matter that she, and she's nodding. Um, <laughs> it doesn't matter that she's black because that's what happens, Rory. It's not about... In in my mind, what I say to people is, I'm not attracted. I'm just not attracted to black people. But what I'm actually saying, what I'm actually saying is that I've looked at you. I see your. Co- I'm looking at your color first, and then I'm judging you on your attraction. So they'll be like, No, I'm not attracted to. You, but Beyonce's hot. Eh? That's the one. You know. So I, I'm not racist because you know. So no, you you were you were saying it. It's not racist. No, I was saying that not necessarily. I mm. mean, you know, th- these things about attraction. Also have to do with preference, but I mean, we can also unpack preference and get to the racist uh, mm. point of view. Mm. But what I want to highlight is that racism is about stereotype, attitude, discrimination, you know, at a thought level, at an emotional level, at a behavior level. So you, 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 you think about someone in a stereotyped manner. You, you, you feel about them in a certain attitude that's negative, and then you discriminate them. 
So if you're going to be not attracted to black people if you're a white person because of you've stereotyped them, you had a negative attitude toward them, and you've discriminated them, then yes, you have been racist. Mm. Um, and that's how what how I want to qualify my non-necessarily. Yeah. Statement. So so I might just not be a you know I just like them darker skin, chocolate, honey. Uh huh. Okay. okay. Uh, I'm not so sure about that. Anyway, we've got 0861-555-189. Join the conversation. We're talking about are you raising racists? What are your parenting views and how are they affecting your children? Uh, Christy, I saw that you, you wanted to, to, uh, to discuss that with me. Uh, we've got, uh, Deborah Patter on the line. Oh, it's not a Deborah. Oh, it's another Deborah. Oh, my apologies. Sorry. I, you know, I'm quite excited about Deborah Patter. Uh, Deborah, another Deborah. Hello. Hi, no, it is Deborah Pasta. Uh, um, so what is going on? Here. Sorry, can I just before before you speak, Duncan? You are the worst producer ever. It says Deborah Pasta on my thing here. You tell me it's not Deborah Pasta. I don't no, understand. I'm not phoning in as Deborah Pasta. I'm just Deborah. I'm phoning in as a mother. I have two children. One is mixed race. One is white. And I'm just. I haven't heard the whole show because, by the way, your Cliff Central app is appalling. Great, thanks um, for the feedback. But um, the, the, the bit that I have heard, I mean, what's astounding me is that no one's raising racist children, and yet my child experiences racism regularly. She goes to a snooty private school, all girls. She's near an, a snooty all-boys private school. The boys there, the white boys, don't want to date black girls or mixed-race girls. And the black boys want to date white girls as well. I'm generalizing. There's obviously some people who are different. But on the whole, that is the attitude. If you are black or mixed race at a private school, I'm not sure what it's like at government schools where the racial demographics might be a bit different. There are huge issues there around race and identity. So somebody's raising these racist children. Because if you don't regard... Um, black as being attractive, it's because you've been brought up in a stereotypical way to regard black as not being attractive as white. Mm. And mm. these mm. issues are coming out over and over again, and the problem is that people aren't talking about them properly. So as a parent, I'm astounded when I hear my children say things that echo my views, when I haven't sat down to talk to them about it. Um, and actually what it is is that they imbibe them. They see in your practices. Children are a lot smarter and a lot cleverer than we think. So you may say, I'm not raising racist children, but if you still have elements of racism in your attitude, you will be. You will be transmitting it to that child in everything they do, in your attitude, how you treat your domestic worker, the kind of comments you make on the road, the things you say at home, it's out there. And unfortunately, as we saw with the Penny Sparrow issue, there is still a lot of racially ingrained attitudes in white people. I'm talking about white people. I have to talk about my experience. I'm a white mother in this country. And it's complicated navigating these areas at the moment. And I think that parents are still, by and large, a lot of white parents still harbor deeply racist attitudes. And that is a problem for the education of our children. Because that's why we've seen these things clear up. They don't come out of nowhere. Mm. This country is ahistorical in the way it raises people. It doesn't teach them about apartheid. You have to teach a white child about how black people were oppressed in this country and the horrors and the torment that black people went through because that is why we are in the complicated situation that we are now. And if you don't do that, you're doing your child a disservice. This nonsense of colorblind is ridiculous. It doesn't exist. 
And if you teach your ch- you, you know, it's one thing to teach your child not to be racist, but to say that races don't matter and whatever is, a, is an absurd thing to say in a country where this has deeply ingrained racist attitudes. I have to teach my mixed-race child how to navigate a country where she is hurled insults and called the K-word and all sorts of things like that. Deborah, um, let, let me let me ask. So you're raising a, a white child and a mixed race child, um, and you're saying you're encouraging parents to have conversations about apartheid. Have you had conversations with both your children about our history as a country? And how do you how do you uh, uh, um, educate your white child about this in a way that doesn't make her feel small, guilty, and so on? And then how do you do it with your mixed race child in a way that doesn't inflame an irrational anger and hatred towards white people? We have conversations all the time. I mean, you know, I have children who don't let me get away with anything all the time. My eldest is 16. She's a mixed-race child. My youngest is 10. Um, And so this comes up all the time. And it's as simple as, do you know that under apartheid, you and your sister could not go to the same school legally? That that would have been forbidden. I mean, the horror on a 10-year-old's face, which was a bit younger when we spoke about it, I don't think that's a bad thing to teach, to understand the country. That things have changed in this country, and of course what, that could never happen today, but it did happen, and it hurt people, and it made people feel terrible, um, and it did terrible things to black psyche and, and all those kinds of things. We have to own up to that in this country. Even if you think that you weren't racially oppressing um, black people, you were part of a system of privilege in this country. I talk to my children all the time about it. And when you talk to children, it lessens the anger, it lessens it gives them the skills to debate with their friends. And we as white parents must call out other white parents who dare to say obnoxious things. And it doesn't have to be an outwardly racist, obscene remark. It can be something just, you know, those people, those kinds of things. I don't want to be part of that. Mm. Um, and I will call out another person. And yes, it's going to make me annoying and irritating. But as white people, we have to challenge other white people about their racism. It's not up to black people to do that. I'm sure they stick to death of it. Mm. Thank you very much, Deborah. I, I want to get uh, Christy come in. Come in here. You, you've said that um, you, you admitted right now that you're that you're racist uh, and you're working on it, um, which I think is a very, very honourable and valuable thing to say. You, you're hearing Deborah now speak her mind. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I I absolutely agree with Deborah that those who are becoming enlightened among the white people to the constructs of our mind and what we've inherited from our past, we have a responsibility to pass that on, as annoying as it may make us. Like, in preparation for this, I was speaking to some of my colleagues and some of my boot camp friends and whoever I could about the topic, and people don't want to talk about it. They're sick of it. They don't want to hear about racism. They want the whole thing, you know, the word racism to be banned. They're tired of talking about it. But my position is that we have to because this process of having to think about it and grapple with it has been good for me. It's been difficult, and, you know, I've had to, like – look at my parents differently even though they claim to be non-racist I had to say no actually there were things and um, and I've had to look at myself and see yes there are things that continue that are that are racist and try to overcome them because like my not wanting to drink out of the same bottle as the the black girl for example that's irrational 
there's no reason that she should have more germs than a white girl. So that for me was like, okay, you know, there was a moment of hesitation where I was like, I'm not, but I am, I am. Of course I am. It's absolutely fine. Mm. You know, and so I think everyone of us, those of us who are waking up, have to carry on waking up. And we all have to try to go through this difficult process of seeing what our beliefs are and where they're coming from. Chish, this is a tough one. So w- what we're going to do, we're going to ask all of the parents to just ask a question to the resident psychologist, Neo Pule, um, a question around parenting, a question that's come up as we've been speaking. Um, it's not every day you get to go and uh, consult with a psychologist for free. Uh, they aren't like artists. They don't oh, do no, it, they, they, they it. don't, they don't do it for exposure. They definitely don't do it for exposure. So so when you guys, so I want you guys to just come up with questions. But Carol, uh, since you on, on on Skype um, I just want to to find out from you um, you obviously you say you were raised uh, by a racist so to speak um, and then somehow you are not a racist at which point did that stop happening and and and, and how did it happen I think I can honestly say it happened when I changed as a person in my own sort of personal journey and I've I became conscious um, I don't quite know how to describe it more accurately. I, I've developed empathy, like true empathy, um, through healing myself from my childhood and, and all sorts of stuff that had absolutely nothing to do with racism. Um, to healing myself as a person, I have developed em- empathy or develop my empathy, and so therefore, like, racism cannot exist in that space. Carol, let me just, I, I want to push you here because you can't go and buy empathy at the, at the, at the local supermarket, unfortunately. <laughs> so so, so like, a pers- there's a person saying, okay, I want some of that, but I don't know how to get it, where to get it. So what exactly, in practical terms, did you do? Oh, I'm going to go woo-woo and off the reservation with you here, Rory. <laughs> yeah, just, uh, just uh, don't go too far. I'm... <laughs> um, it, it was just literally it's just like connecting with myself, connecting with who I really am and, and healing childhood trauma. And it's like the whole of South Africa has to heal their childhood trauma. It's like apartheid was this massive, great big dose of childhood trauma. And when you've healed that damage, then you, you, you're better, you're stronger, and you have empathy. Empathy is just like it, it's, it's the word. It's... Um, it's the place where, where you're so you're okay with yourself, and so now you can you can give some space to someone else to heal. All right, so let's get let's get the other parents in here. Questions, for, quick questions for 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 Doctor Neopule. Uh, okay. We start with you. Thank you. Okay, so I can be uh, the very model of tolerance or be on my way there, but my child is still going to be surrounded by other people, and I'm not going to name names, it might even be the previous generation, grandparents, um, who are also going to be feeding his developing mind with ideas. What can I do? I can count, I can work on myself to counter my own beliefs, but how can I um, counter the other belief systems that he's being fed with from older generations? Great. I think what we should do, let's get all the questions, then then, then Neo can answer them all at once. Just now you're asking Neo to do a big job, hey? Yeah, otherwise, you know, you know she's a psychologist. She's going to speak for five minutes for each question. Okay, Neo no, no yeah. needs a pen and paper, I think. You got, have you got one? There you go. So what can you do is the first question about other people's... And it's, it's close people, so it's not like you can just cut them off. It's like grannies and... and okay, it's, it's your mother and father. Okay, cool. 
Um, my question is basically how, because my son is three years old, right? How do I sort of prepare his mind into not growing him into a racist? How do I um, develop him at three um, or maybe three, four, five, I don't know, when to start focusing on consciously developing him not to becoming a racist? Yeah. Great. Yeah. My question is just about like, um, how do we make it age appropriate? How do we, because telling the story of black people's history in this country is like traumatic, it's bloody, it's humiliating. How do we still tell that story without the trauma or without making it so traumatic for black children? Roderick? Mine's a little different. Um, where, where, where do we, where do we back off? Um, you know, like I, I said earlier, it, we're making a, a conscious effort and you kind of overcompensating in the way that I interact with people around Jamie. Um, but she, she's getting older now. And at, at what point, you know, you grow up and you hear every day around you kids mirroring you and, and repeating parrot fashion things that, that you've said and, and attitudes that you had. And I, trying trying to find that balance. Where when do you kind of back off and and say, okay, we've we've given you the tools. Let let's see, you know, find your own kind of understanding and perception and 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 carry it forward, or do I just keep putting my own ideas and stuff out there? And and is that a, is that a good thing or a bad thing? And then finally, Carol, question for Doctor Neobule. How do you encourage people to parent their children consciously? How do you encourage your 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 children or people to parent their children consciously? I might just add one to that. I mean, this sounds like it's a countrywide thing. It's a huge project. How do we deal with this healing at a national scale? I mean, these are deep things. It's not just going to be a single thing that we do. How do we do it at scale? Dr. Neo, if you can... In three minutes, answer all those questions. You would be amazing. <laughs> that was my plan. <laughs> Parenting happens in the system. I spoke about the social system when I started. But again, in, 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 in families, you have a family system made up of grandparents, parents, children, and maybe four generations on. And maybe what I want to highlight is that maybe the challenge sits with parents to create a space with their children that is a trusting relationship, that is a safe space, a space where we can have courageous conversations that are age-appropriate. And I think we need to make this as tangible as possible, you know, that we don't need to separate racism as that issue. You know, it can become part of how we live and how we socialize. And so dolls can play a role, for example, for girls, if we, that's what we're doing. You know, and maybe the kinds of games that we play with our children, you know, at whatever game you would have played with your child at whatever age, under normal circumstances, if you put the issue of race out of the picture, you know, continue like that, but then introduce those kinds of issues to also sort of normalize it to not make it this freak out situation, you know? Um, and if we can 
really make it an issue of life where we um, socialize and 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 culture uh, our children to 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 be those that will build um, relationships with others um, and embrace the diversity and, and 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 work on ourselves as well to be those people who will set an example that would you know be able to hold the diversities and that speaks now to the to the the consciousness question you know i would make my children conscious um by the way that i speak about other people and the the the, the way that i behave around other people and and how how human i am towards others you know how i move towards others and how i build the community and i think the challenge and the task is for parents to raise um citizens responsible citizens and in that you know you end up talking about what's in the constitution you know and and we take responsibility for the preamble of the constitution you know please go and read it and then implement those things and um i mean i can't unpack all of this so, in so in age appropriate ways of speaking about our history are there any yes that's what i mean mm. you know games that you would have played mm. you know um if if you're playing dolls with your girls for example you know um or with your boys or with your or, i mean mm. you know mm. <laughs> However and, and however well you done, do it Rory sang. Well And with done. Boys, <laughs> You know um, But what I'm trying to say is that Parenting starts at the moment that you are pregnant And potentially the moment that you deliver mm. You know And there isn't a right time or no right time But parenting starts when you are going to be a parent And then already you need to prepare yourself For what you impart um, And what you, 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 you would translate to your child um, So 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 Everything would then in, in, in the best way possible to keep it age appropriate. And so, where do you draw boundaries, and where do you uh, 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 um, stay? Back you know, back, back off. off. Yeah. Um, if you use age appropriate uh, uh, way of interacting and talking to your child, then you know, at adolescence, that's when you teach them, for example, to take responsibility and, and, and accountability for the decisions that they make and teach them to be independent people you know so you, you adjust your 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 way of interaction according to the age mm. um, and but that is also a, 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 a sort of a normal task in parenting where you set boundaries with your children you know so so I, I think we need to make this um, a way of life thing and not this issue you know because if you yeah if you magnify it then it becomes the spook in the room Mm, mm, mm. jamie we all these adults have said everything and you know what what i'm hearing from them is they have no idea so how about you tell them uh how it's done how should we be engaging you know as young people you interact with other young people your age younger how do we deal with this? Is this just complex for, for adult minds? Maybe you guys have the answers. Um, well, I think it's really important for our parents to kind of tell us what racism, racism is about, what happened, the history of our country. But also, like, a lot of my friends' parents will try to shield them from everything. And I think we don't really grasp what's happening if we don't have the information. So if you constantly try to shield us from everything, we're going to act out. And also, a lot of the racism and stuff doesn't always come from our parents. Like, at school, we'll hear something that someone else... So 
what your parents are saying at home, you're bringing to school and kind of infecting onto others in a way. Um, if you understand it, it's easier to avoid making a comment and stuff. And it's really important to think before about what you're going to say because sometimes I'll say something and I'll forget to add a filter to it and it'll come out as really racist, more racist than I intended it to be. So if you explain to your children that it's important to think about what you're going to say and accept the ramifications for saying that. Uh, yeah. Nice. Thanks, Jamie. Andrew Levy. Hey, me, I don't have kids, but I'm not sure I even want them after the conversation. <laughs> it's uh, it's a difficult space, isn't it? Yo, not it's, just to it's, be it's a parent, but now we've got yeah. this racist thing that we've got to deal with as well. But I think it's what it's what it's what the psychologist Neopula said, right? We have to take we're the adults in the room for Pete's sake. We need to shape this country. And and, and it starts now. And it starts with yourself, not with the kids. Yes. It starts with yourself. I, I'm just I'm just I'm just feeling burdened though, you know. It's it's so I'm seeing a lot of parents having to go home and saying, My kid, we have to have a con- we have to have a talk today. Yeah, I think I think it starts with ourselves as a 100% right. And the one thing that I would say is that it starts with you and your interactions with the closest people to you who might be of a different color. So if you're white, it's with the cleaning, the person who cleans your house or the gardener or, or the person at the restaurant who serves you. But I still say if you're white, you should be having black friends and of so course, on of course, as well. So, so you need to figure out how to start integrating it because your kids are looking and the reason like I'm if saying the only black people that come to the house sure, are cleaning and whatever. Sure. No, no. Mm. The reason I'm saying that, Roy, is because that is a day-to-day engagement. Mm. Um, and if you're treating uh, the person that cleans your house as total shit, which happens, unfortunately, in a lot of affluent homes in South Africa... What are your kids seeing? Mm. They will follow you. Mm. They will disrespect. Mm. It's a it's it's a tough one, you know. I'm, I'm I'm reading articles. Scientists have just come out and said, "Is your baby racists?" Um, apparently, uh, kids can already start being racially prejudiced from the age of three months. Um, so this idea that you wait until you're five and whatever, <laughs> they just show a, a, a preference to to women who are of the of the same color skin as them. Mm. So so these things are really complex. Uh, Doctor Nell wants to have she's. Bu- she just wants to have uh, a final word. Dr. Neil, quickly. I just want to say it, it's not just a conversation. It's a courageous conversation. Mm. Because they, it's so deep. It's a courageous conversation. And mm. we need to have conversations about hard things. Mm. And that's what makes it courageous. Um, and the conversation does, for me, doesn't start with the person of a different race, but it starts with my own racial group. Because if we're going to own our own stuff and we are going to be comfortable with our own stuff and own them, then we can move towards the other people. Mm. You can have black friends if you're white and still be racist. So having black friends and being and not being racist is not completely the truth. There you go. Well, there ends our first <laughs> courageous conversation over two hours, Andrew. Yeah, speaking frankly, uh, www.cliffcentral.com. If you missed any of this, just go to speaking frankly, uh, or you can catch us on Twitter at Rory Sang. Frankly speaking. Frankly Andrew. speaking. Sheesh. Goodness, it's our short name. Sorry, You're like man. that guy oh, that doesn't know his kid's it. age. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to all our guests. Uh, we used to.
Is that good enough? No, it's not. It's not there yet. I will work on it. I'll work on it. Tiro Monochotla, Pelo Celebana. We've got Christy Hansen, Jamie Lomax, uh, Nixon, uh, Roderick Nixon, Neopuli. Uh, we had Carol Shaw on Twitter. Dr. Neopuli, sorry, I apologize. And uh, did I leave oh, anyone She's else? like, no, 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 no. These things oh, catch up with oh, you, and then the next thing uh, they say she's faking it. She's the palatine. She is just oh, Neopuli, yeah. <laughs> super psychologist, clinical psychologist. And thank you, obviously, to you, Rory. Thank you, homie. We will see you next week. Look and listen as we continue to frankly speak about everything. Ciao, ciao. This is CliffCentral.com.